0: All right, here's what we're going to do tonight. It's going to be a little bit different, okay. Um, normally I would take some time and I would preach at you on a Wednesday evening, but a certain email went out yesterday. <laughs> a certain email went out yesterday and news has gone public. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address an elephant in the room. If you're sitting in here tonight and you're like, what email?" What are you talking about? And if you're sitting in here and you're like coming in for the first time tonight, you're about to have an interesting first night at youth group. But let me tell you, it's going to be good. Um, this is what I want to do. I want to have, shh, shh, bear with me. I want to have a conversation with you here this evening. Is that okay? I want to talk with you. Uh, truth be told, I have been eager and excited um, To for this night and to have this conversation with you for the last six, seven weeks. It has been, it's been a long, almost two months of Mariah and I, our family, our close friends, like praying, hearing from the Lord. And anytime the Lord really, really clearly speaks to me, I'm really eager to tell people about it. I want to share with them because. The Lord speaking to you is no small thing. If you're someone in here tonight who has ever heard the Lord speak to you before, you know what an amazing, what a beautiful, what an exciting thing that is. And so tonight I want to tell you, um, I want to talk to you about this email. If you're like, what happened, what email, or what is going on right now, I'm going to catch you up to speed and I'm going to give you the story. Um... Yesterday, we announced uh, to all of our families here at New Life Church that as of June 1st, at the end of the spring, I'm going to be stepping down as the student ministry pastor here at New Life Church. I I appreciate that. I I, I appreciate the love. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be stepping down and um, I'll talk to you about what that kind of means for us, what that kind of means for you. But before... I go into that, um, I want to tell you a little bit of Mariah and I's story. I want, I want you to be able to see um, this moment from our perspective, because the last seven weeks have been filled with beauty, They've been, it's been filled with joy, and I want you to hear me say, it's been filled with a lot of sorrow, we've wept a lot, um, and it's likely that I'm going to Cry a little bit with you here this evening, okay? So bear with me. Um, but I want you to hear me say all the tears that I've wept over the last seven weeks, bear with me here. The tears that we'll shed tonight, the tears that we'll shed over the next seven weeks, for me, are all tears of gratitude. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful because, like, what these tears and what the last seven weeks, the, this time of like mourning and sorrow and like grieving, What it's represented is that the Lord has given myself and my family a gift. It means that God has let us enjoy something beautiful over the last eight years. And like all good things except for God, they got to come to an end. And I knew when I stepped into this role, when I stepped on staff here at New Life Church eight years ago, um, I knew that this was going to be, quote, interim. It was going to be temporary. And what I mean by that is, whether I was here for eight years or whether I was here for the next 80 years, that time was going to come to an end. And so, it wasn't something that I ever saw that, oh, we own this. Like, this is ours to keep. It was, hey, I'm a steward of this. Mariah, myself, we're stewards of this. We're here to, we're here to, that the Lord's entrusted something into our hands until the Lord was going to take it out of our hands. Um, and that's the moment we feel the Lord has brought us. And I know, I know because I've been in your shoes before. I sat here in this room and I sat over there in that theater as a sophomore in high school and remember leadership here at New Life getting up and say, your youth pastor's about to leave. And I remember in that moment when a whispers started going around and all my friends, we started talking. We started wondering like, Why are they leaving? What is going on? Are they getting fired, but they're just not saying they're getting like church is the only place in America that happens, right? Where it's like, (laughs) did they get fired or did they not get fired? Did it, did something go? Was there a disagreement between like the youth pastor and like the leadership? Was he being or was she being just too immature? So they like let him go. That didn't happen, didn't happen. And here's the thing, I I, I know that these moments are filled with like tons of questions, they're filled with maybe some concerns. Maybe if you've been here at New Life for a while, your family's witnessed a transition like this before, and so maybe this is hitting kind of like a sensitive point, and maybe there might be some fear. Maybe you're feeling excitement, (laughs) I don't know. But here's the thing, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to take the opportunity to address all those questions. And I want to be as transparent before you and clear with you tonight as I can be. I don't want you to leave here frustrated. I don't want you to leave here confused. I don't want you to leave here anxious. I want you to leave here going, oh, God, I see what you're doing. Okay, we hear, we understand. Everything that I'm about to share with you tonight is the whole story for the why of this transition. Are you with me? And promise me, I said this in the email and I'm going to say it again tonight. These are all good things. They're all great things. There's nothing bad here. There's for sure pain here. Pain because Mariah and I love this place and we love you. And we're sad. We're sad to give something back to the Lord that we've come to really, really cherish. But in light of that. We know that this is good because this is what the Lord is leading us into. So, to give you some context for that, I want you to know like, I I believe I'm one of those people where the Lord has always been extravagantly generous with me. And I don't just mean that in the sense that, like, God has always provided for my needs. I was born into a family where my father and my mother worked really, really hard. I always had a roof over my head, I always had meals on the table. I loved my family. I had a beautiful family like and ever since I became my own adult and I've gone off on my own and I got married, the Lord has always generously provided for my physical needs. That is true. But one of the areas that I feel the Lord has been most generous with me in my life is in my relationships. I believe God has always like looked at me and said, "Here, let me give you a treasure vault." Of people to do life with, and I look back on my younger years. I always had really, really good friends when I was a kid. When I was in junior high, I like had the closest of friends. One of which, who is still my closest buddy to this day, and he's now my brother-in-law. Like I, I, I the Lord's always, always had a way of putting people right next to me that loved Jesus, that loved Him, and like wanted to follow Him, and He's always generously put people over me, leaders over me that that have always called me to follow Jesus and who have always cared for my life and who have always wanted to see me grow and who have always wanted to see blessings on my life. And so much of the relationships that I have in my life that, like, I've received a generous wealth of have come from this church. I started coming here at this church in 2001. I was seven years old. Seven years old. It was before this Hershey Kiss was here, and it stank so bad. It was before the main building was over there. And ev- like, ever since I started coming to this church, it was like the Lord just blessed me with good people. And here's, here's the significant thing about having good people in your life. I want you to listen to me. It's why I prize that so much is because from a young age all the way till now, I've had the blessing of walking alongside people and with people who loved Jesus and believed that the only life worth living was a life trusting Jesus. Are you with me? And so it was kind of one of those things that from a, from a young age, I drew a conclusion that the only way I should ever live my life is by watching the people that have gone before me. As I'd come to church and we'd open up the scriptures, you go to Hebrews chapter 11, we see that great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. People who have who have lived their lives understanding and believing and knowing who God was. This is why we see Abraham move to sacrifice his own son Isaac. Though he has this precious gift that God has given him, he knew that what his God was asking of him was better, no matter how costly it was. That's why he left his homeland and he goes to a land that the Lord was going to show him. This is why Moses went back to Egypt... This is why he went and he confronted Pharaoh and we see the people of Israel being, a a nation being delivered out of slavery because there were people who trusted and believed in the character and nature of God. This is why Joshua and Caleb knew they could take the promised land even though when they went in to scout the land, they saw nothing but giants. They saw nothing but the Philistines and the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Amalekites. But they knew that despite the fact that the people of Israel might be small. Their God was bigger. This is why Esther went into the inner court of the king. Right? This is why, this is why we see Samson cry out at the end of his life. This is why Paul and Silas worshipped in prison. This is why Peter was crucified upside down. This is why John was exiled on Patmos. Why? Because these, poli- these people saw and knew who their god was over the course of the last 8 years i've had countless opportunities of sitting across the table from students from young men i've had the invitation of coming and speaking at graduation ceremonies or rite of passage ceremonies and and and, and being at those kind of pivotal moments that parents want in their, their kids lives where they're about to pivot into adulthood And I'm always asked, hey, can you share a couple words of of wisdom, a couple words of encouragement at this moment for them as they're getting ready to embark on the next journey of life. And I've written lots of letters of recommendation for kids who are going off to college or, or trying to take jobs. And one of the things that I'll remark whenever I have this opportunity is I'll look at the students the Lord has put in front of me and I'll say, look at me. You're about to embark on a beautiful season. A season that's gonna be challenging, a season that's gonna be difficult, a season of unknowns. But what separates God's people from everybody else in the world is that we face all of our circumstances and everything that life has to throw at us with us believing and trusting in God's character and His nature, knowing who He is. That's what separates us as the people of God. So be a man, be a woman who despite whatever's in front of your face, whether it's a final exam, whether it's about to take on a job, whether it's going on to play a college sport, whether it's going into the military, whether it's becoming a teacher, becoming a missionary, going into ministry, trust your heavenly father. He will always have what's best for you in his mind. That's what separates us as the people of God. And when I got married eight years ago, Mariah and I made a decision because we had good leaders, good mentors, good people in our lives who who looked at us, who sat us down and said, look, like you're about to embark on a journey of marriage. You're about to hate the person right next to you. You're about to have hard times with the person right next to you. They're about to make you more mad than anybody else in your life. You're about to do a lot of things together. Whenever you move, you're going to move together. You're about to live with one another. You're about to become parents with one another. You're going to have to make a decision as a married couple, what are going to be the primary values of your marriage? What are going to be the things, the, 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 central, the central pieces of your life that you want people to know this is what you are about? And Mariah and I made a decision early on that every decision we were going to make, everything that we were going to do, everywhere that we were going to go, any commitment that we made was gonna be out of an act of obedience to the Lord. We wanted our reasons not to be that we wanted to be wealthy. We didn't want our reasons to be that we wanted to be favored or that we wanted to be blessed. We didn't want our reasons to be that we were avoiding fear. We didn't want our reasons to be just that we're trying to avoid Uncomfortability or suffering or trial, we wanted our reasons for whatever we were doing to be. This is what the Lord's asked of us, so we're gonna do it. And I got to share a little bit of this story with high school a couple weeks ago, but junior high to catch you up to speed, eight years ago, this time Mariah and I were about to get married. We got married June 20th, 2015, and up until This point, I remember being in April of 2015, and our plan at that point in our lives was when we were going to get married, we're going to go ahead and pack our bags and move down to Texas. We had family down there, we had a church community, a small church community, a home group church that we wanted to be part of, and our plan was just to go and figure out life down there. It was a lot cheaper to live down there, and we simply wanted. To be down there. And so as we were getting ready for our wedding, we were two children. She was 18 years old. I was 20. I proposed to her when she was in high school. Ladies, if any of you seniors walk up to me with a ring on your finger, I want to meet the guy. (laughs) Okay? That's a story for another time. But we are children. I mean, we had no idea. I'm like, I had barely ever done taxes before. I'm like sitting there going like, what? What are we doing? And, and about three weeks before our wedding, three weeks before our wedding, we're, we're job hunting down in Texas. we were applying for apartments down in Texas. We're getting ready to move. And three weeks before our wedding, we heard the Lord say, I want you to stay in Colorado Springs. And we got no why, no context for a Why? He just said, I want you to stay in Colorado Springs. And we were like, what are you talking about? Like we were getting ready to leave. We were, we were excited to go down and, 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 and be a part of this home group church. We were excited to go and be with family. And he said, no, I want you to trust me. I want you to stay in Colorado Springs. And so we had no idea what we were going to do. I was working three jobs at the time. I was working at Panera, at the shops at Briargate. I was coaching tennis la- lessons at Banning Lewis Ranch Clubhouse. And I was working their children's department in Banning Lewis Ranch's clubhouse. I had no ability to pay for a one-bedroom apartment. My wife was the nanny for Jones and Izzy Egan and Louis Egan, who are in our youth ministry right now. John and Paige Egan were paying half our salary at the time from babysitting. We couldn't afford to live anywhere. And we're like, Lord, if if we stay here in Colorado Springs, we're going to have to live in our parents' basement. And we heard him say, I want you to trust me. And because we made a decision early on in our marriage to say, we're going to be about obedience, we decided to trust him. We got back from our honeymoon. Some of you know this story. We're house-sitting for somebody. We get a phone call from a single older lady living in Pine Creek right off the golf course. She said, hey, I want you to know if you and your wife will come meet and talk with me. We said, okay. We came and sat before, and she said, hey, look, I'm about to move to California for the next year. I want to know if you guys will live in my house rent-free for the next year. She's like, you don't have to pay a thing, just send me my mail once a month. We said, we'll pray about it. Yes, God said yes. <laughs> we moved into her house, and a week later, I got a phone call from New Life. And many of you don't know this part of the story, but at this point in my life, I was a year graduated from high school. I knew that the Lord had put ministry in my heart, I sat here as a junior high and a high school student like you, and I, I'd watched the pastor on stage, and I'd know, I'd know in my heart, Lord, you made me to do that. You made me to be one who proclaims your word to others. I know that that's in me, and I knew the Lord had made me for ministry, but at this point in my life, 20 years old, I had made a vow that I wouldn't work at a big church. I made a vow. I said, Lord... Like, I'll do it. Like, I'll, 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 do the, I'll, I'll do the Paul thing where I'll be a tent maker and I'll just teach the gospel. But I'm not going to go work at a big church. And the Lord said, ha-ha. <laughs> a week after we moved into this house, I got a call from New Life. And it was the children's department. And they said, hey, we had an opening come up with our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade ministry. And four people have prayed and your name has come up with all four people. And we don't know if you're interested in this. We, know you're, we don't even know if you're, you're wanting to apply. But we, want you to know if, we wanted to know if you'd be willing to come in and talk with us. And I said, I'll pray about it. <laughs> and so I go home and I tell Mariah that I got a phone call and that there's this interest in this position. And so we prayed about it and we felt the Lord say, I want you to go and I want you to interview I got off the cooking line at Panera at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I smelled like nasty onions and mozzarella cheese. And I drove up here to the church still in my Panera uniform. And I walked into an interview with four of the children's ministry workers and they interviewed me. And they said, here's what we want you to do, will you show up this coming Sunday and will you preach for the first service? We want to see you preach. And so I was like, okay. I I still have my notes from that first sermon. It was half a page, like three bullet points. Oh, how I have grown. And I remember walking in, giving that message and seeing these fourth, fifth, and sixth grade students over there in the theater. And remembering what it was like as a fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kid to be here at this church. Worshiping, spending time in the presence of God, encountering the Lord for the first time on a fifth and sixth grade retreat, going to countless desperation conferences, going to Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And man, my heart broke. And I was eager. I was like, man, if I could, to see any of these kids, these fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids catch the good news of the gospel, that would be awesome. And as God would have it, a couple weeks later, I was offered a job here at New Life Church to oversee the fourth and fifth and sixth grade ministry. And after a year of doing that, they said, hey, will you take the fifth and sixth grade ministry? And after a year of doing that, they said, hey, will you take over the junior high ministry? And after a year of doing that, I got the phone call where they said, hey, would you be willing to oversee junior high and high school? The fourth and fifth graders who were there when I first got here are now our juniors and seniors in this room. I got the privilege, the rare privilege, of getting to walk with some of these, some of you, for the last eight years. I'm so thankful for that. It's such a privilege. And here's the thing, like, when Mariah and I said yes to the Lord, we said yes, we'll take this job, even though I vowed I never would. What we found on the other side of that, yes, was a tremendous gift. We found a church family from a staff perspective that generously took care of our family. New life has always, always, always been good to me and my family. We found leaders here that have cared really, really well for our souls. Pastor Brady, Pastor Pam, Daniel and Lisa Grothy. Glenn and Holly Packham, Michael and Michelle Anthony, Jason and Sarah Jackson, Andrew and Mandy Arndt, like all these people saw my wife and I, and for years have said, how can we take care of you? How can we love your family? How can we help your marriage? How can we help your ministry? We found like people who really loved us. Saying yes to this job, I found Friendships. Men that are gonna last a lifetime. Some of you might not know it, but I never met Victor Mendoza until I came on staff here. And his wife, Prem, wherever she is, I heard her voice. I remember the first time I got back from a trip in Hawaii, just about a year after I'd been married, and I show up, and there's this young, Hispanic, worship leading, skinny, awesome guy that was coming to help in the children's ministry. And I was like, man, who is this dude? And I got to spend a summer doing ministry with him. We got to dress up in, well, he dressed up in tights. I didn't have to wear tights. Doing kids' camp productions and all these wonderful things. And, man, like the Lord gave, the Lord gave me like a friend who was closer than a brother the summer of 2016. And I watched as he went off to ORU and him and Preem's re- relationship was beginning to blossom. And Mariah and I found like dear friends with them. And I, I knew, I was like, man, one day if I could hire him, if I could bring him here and do ministry with him, that would be a dream. And as God would have it, it took about a year and a half and not much convincing because he was eager to come here and serve you guys. He came out here and we, I mean, we Ruthann Massey Mateo and Lindsay Mendoza, Chase and Katie Windebank, Catherine and Carson Anderson, friends of ours. Friends that we're like eager for our daughter Haven and by God's grace any more children that we're going to have. We want them to know. I want, I want people like Victor and Pre Mendoza speaking into the life of my children as they grow and learn to follow Jesus. We found friendships that are going to last a lifetime. We found a place where we could steward and shepherd the gifts that God had given us. I want you to hear me say, there's nothing I love more than coming and preaching to you on Wednesday nights. I love, love this job. I love it. Every time that I wake up on a Monday morning and I know the text that I'm about to speak with you on a Wednesday night and I get to come and I get to open this book and I get to ask the Lord yet again, would you speak to me? Would you tell me what you want to say? Would you actually make whatever this is going to be break me? And I would sit as I'd get up here and I'd picture myself like right here on this front row, 12-year-old Tim. What did he need to hear? And the passion you hear from me whenever I get up to preach the good news of Jesus Christ comes from a place where it's like I am I'm so, I'm so eager to tell people about the treasure that I have found in Jesus. I'm grateful that I've got to do that for the last eight years. And I'm praying I'm praying that one day the Lord will let me do it again because it's my favorite. It's when, I feel, it's when I feel most sure of, like, who God has created me to be. We found a place where we could shepherd those gifts, where I could actually learn what it means to become a preacher. If you're a junior and senior in here, you had to sit through a lot of bad sermons, <laughs> and you still do, for me to come to that place. But hear me. I've loved every second of it, but you know another gift that Mariah and I found on the other side of that yes, was we found you. We found young people who we got to watch like hunger and thirst for righteousness. We got to see young people have their eyes opened to the good news of the gospel. I got to attend countless football games, basketball games, baseball games, soccer games, lacrosse games, tennis matches, theater performances, musicals, choir performances. And hear me, not all of you are really good. I had to watch. I had, I had to persevere. Many times, I I I, I had to st- I had to stand up at the end of some of those and be like, "You did awesome." Sorta. Some of you were good. I won't tell you who. But you know what I loved about doing that is. I remember, I remember being in junior high and high school when Jared Newman would show up to my tennis matches. I remember when he'd come to some of my games. I I remember, I remember the experience of of going. Man, I felt seen. And here's the thing: of all the stories of games, and recitals, and coffees, and lunches, and graduations, graduation parties that Mariah and I have been able to make it to there are hundreds in this room that we have not been able to make it to. And I know that I've been also a disappointment. I know that I've come up short many many times with you, but in light of all of the things that we have got to do, all of the things that we couldn't do, I'm grateful. I'm really really grateful. Over the course of the last 8 years, I've had the privilege as I said in the email of weeping with many of you standing alongside many of you in loss and in joy praying with you walking alongside you listening to you and I'm thankful for that. You know why I'm thankful for that? It's because all of the things that I have just listed out, what God has given us here all the things that he has done is proof and evidence to Mariah and I That trust and obedience to our Heavenly Father will always be the best thing for our lives. Will always be the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And so as I look at the last eight years, and as I look at where Mariah and I were eight years ago, when we said yes to something, we were unsure of what was on the other side. I'm sitting here eight years later and going, oh, I got to witness all of those good things Which is why we're here this evening. Which is why you got that email yesterday, or if you're hearing this for the first time tonight, you're hearing that I'm stepping down June 1st. About eight weeks ago, I was um, fresh off my sabbatical. This church, because it's a generous church, and it loves its staff, and Pastor Brady and Pastor Pam really care about taking care of the people here after seven years gave us permission to take six weeks and to just breathe to just take time rest and we just spent a lot of time with haven that's really what the six weeks were and here's the thing everything that that sabbatical was meant to be it was it was rest it was fun it was refreshing but most of all it made me eager to come back to work A couple days before we came back, we went out with Victor and Prem to John Venezia Park and we walked with them. And one of the questions that they asked us was, how are you feeling getting ready to come back? And one of the first things out of my mouth was, I just feel ready to get back to work. I've missed you guys. I've missed the students. I've missed this work. I'm ready to put my hand to the plow again. I was itching to come back. And pick up the burden again and continue running. And as luck would have it, the week we got back, we got a snow day on Wednesday. Because that always has to happen at the beginning of the year. Snow day happens and I'm like, okay, next week I'm eager, I'm ready to go. And that Saturday, it's a Saturday night, a week after I had come back from my sabbatical, I was laying in bed. It was about midnight. And I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. I was tossing. I was turning. Mariah was out like a light like she always is. And I'm just lying there, and I'm tossing and turning. But as I'm tossing and turning, I'm feeling this weight, this weight come upon me. And I sat there in bed, and I closed my eyes, and I said, Lord, like what's going on? And I heard the Lord really clearly. He said, I want you to get up, and I want you to go out to the living room, and I want you to get on your knees. And so I opened my eyes. I was like... And it was really, really clear. I said, okay. So I got up, walked out of the room. And I love going out to the living room to play because in our living room, we have all of Haven's toys. They're all scattered about right there. She's got a little DJ table. She's got her little, her little mirror that she loves to kiss herself in. <laughs> she's, she's got like all her little shake, shakers and rattlers and all those things. And here's why I love this because when I go out to pray in our living room, I'm reminded that Haven's my child. And every time I remember Haven's my child, I'm reminded that I'm my Heavenly Father's child. And so I approach that place of prayer as if I'm His child. And I took a blanket, I set it on the ground, and I got on my knees. And I said, Lord, what's going on? And I sat there quiet and I just listened. I listened and I heard him really clear. He said, Son, it's time. And I said, Time for what? And he said, It's time for you to step down. And I was confused. I was confused because it was really clear. Really, really clear. When have you, whenever you have a moment like this, where the Lord, where He, He asks something really costly of you, if you've ever had a moment like that, the natural question that comes up, and it was the question that I asked immediately, was, Why? Why? Why is it time? I don't want to be done. I love this job. We love it here. Why would you ask me to? Why would you ask me to let go of something that like? Like, I cherish, and I enjoy, and I love. And he said, son, it's time. And I said, what for? I was like, there's there's not another job. There's nothing else that I want to do. There's nothing else Mariah wants to do. And the three words that I heard from the Lord after that question are the same three words I've heard from the Lord every single day. That I've gone before him in prayer and I've continued to ask why. He said these three words, just trust me. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to tell you what's on the other side of this yes. And I did what was the only logical thing to do in that moment. I wept. Next day, I came here to church. Led high school small groups. Hopped in with junior high small groups. I met my man Easton, wherever he is in this room, for the first time that day. And I sat there really sobered, like, Lord, I'm so confused right now. I don't know why you would ask this of me. And I kept hearing the same words, just trust me. And so I took it to Mariah. We headed up to Denver that day to go to a wedding. And she could tell. We got in the car. She immediately knew something was going on. She said, what, what, are you okay? And I looked at her. And I broke, I started weeping, and I said, sweetheart, the Lord spoke to me last night, and he's made himself really, really clear, but I don't know what to do with this. And she knew, she knew before I even let the words out of my mouth, and she started weeping with me too, and we wept all the way up to Denver. And over the course of the next five days, her and I wept together, we prayed together, we came here to the church, and we prayer-walked with one another, we prayed for you. And we felt the Lord was continuing to make himself really clear. So we understood and we had been taught that there's a wisdom and a multitude of counsel. So we invited our parents into the conversation with us. We invited some leaders and mentors in our life that have walked with us for decades. And we invited some really, really close friends. And at the end of those two weeks, all of them were in agreement and confident that this this seems to be what the Lord is speaking. And so, Mariah and I are making the choice to trust him. And so we said, yes, okay, we'll step down. And so then I went on March 6th and talked to my boss. Let her know what the Lord has spoken to us. And from that moment, we have been nothing but taken care of and loved. Cared for here. Asked all the right questions here. Fought for here. Immediately I got a phone call saying, hey, is there any other job you would want here at the church? Is there anything like we can do to help and and keep you guys because we love you? And as honoring as that was, I said, look, I already have like the best job here at this church. I already have the best team to work with. I love the students here at New Life Church. This isn't about a discontentment a dissatisfaction or an anger with anything here at New Life, anything with this job. There is no other job opportunity that that came up that Mariah and I desire. As of right now, we're planning on being unemployed on June 1st, so pray for us. There's nothing that we're running to. No phone call has come to say, hey, we want you guys here. We wanted to see if you'd be willing to come here. None of that. You're hearing the full story here. We're not running from anything. We have no offenses with Michelle, Anthony, Family Ministries. We have no offenses with Pastor Brady, Pastor Pam, the senior leadership here. On the contrary, we are really, really loved here. A year ago this time, many of you were here. I was, I was dealing with like the hardest year of ministry I would ever dealt with. We, had, we just had Pastor Chase leave. Catherine Anderson was about to leave at the beginning of June. My baby was being born at the beginning of May. I had three friends' weddings that I was a groomsman in within two and a half months of each other. I was tired. I didn't know what to do. I was worn out. And Daniel Grothy sees me in the lobby on a Wednesday night. And he can see that's something wrong. he grabs me and he says, are you okay? And I was just like, I'm on fumes. I don't know what to do. Like, I feel exhausted. I feels like our ministry is in chaos with so many people leaving and trying to figure out what's next. And he looked at me and he said, here's what we're going to do. He's like, I want you to go home tonight. He's like, I want you to email the whole senior team. He's like, I want you to get your preaching calendar covered for the next three months. We're going to cover you. You don't hop in the pulpit. We're going to make sure that you can just focus on Haven and Mariah and becoming a dad and getting healthy. We got you. Seven months later, they released Mariah and I to go on a sabbatical to get healthy. I I say that to you to say, look, this church is a good and a safe place to grow as a follower of Jesus. The leaders here care for their people. They fight For their people. And that has been our story here since day one. We're not running from anything. We're not hurt by anything. This decision is coming exclusively out of an act of obedience. That's why, as of June 1st, I'm stepping down as your youth pastor. No other reason. Which begs the question where do we go from here? What's next for this youth ministry? I know the question that I had when I found out the youth pastor was leaving was, well, then who's going to take his place? And from the first day I stepped into this job, I began to pray that the Lord would prepare my heart and prepare me well for the person who was going to replace me. I prayed that whenever I would pass the mantle of leading this ministry off, that this ministry would be in a good, healthy place. I prayed that the students who were going to be here would be students who love Jesus, who are fun to be around, who are easy to beat in cornhole, all of those things. It's true of some of you, not for others. I prayed, I prayed that the Lord would prepare my heart. It's rare and it really kind of doesn't ever happen for a youth pastor or for any pastor to be able to like name their replacement. It's not something we're entitled to, and it's not something that I'm still entitled to now. It's not my decision for who comes to take my place. It was leadership's decision to pick who would take my place. But what I did pray for is that if God would allow it, he would give me the chance to have a good relationship with whoever was going to take my place. What I did pray for is that if God willing, I'd be able to bring someone here and teach them what I know. And get to tell them the stories of like the students that I love. I get to tell them about the culture of this place. Teach them why I love this place. And and be able to know that whoever I'm passing it to, like I would have joy and excitement. That they were the ones to take it. And as God would have it. Eight years ago I met met this skinny little 8th grader. He was here coming to this church, and when I came on to lead 456, he was an 8th grade student who was volunteering under me. And I remember taking this young man to lunch at Panera at the shops of Briargate for the first time, and he came with questions. And I was impressed by him. I was like, man, like, this, this kid is young, and yet he's like eager to learn. And he's talented. And, this little 13-year-old boy was looking me in the eyes, telling me that he believes that the Lord has put the call of ministry on his life. I said, okay, we'll see. Why don't you follow me? And for his eighth grade year and all of his high school years, he served underneath me. He was faithful. When I led retreats, he came and he led retreats with some of you high schoolers who are, were junior hires at the time. When I led man time and girl time and brought them to the church for the first time, he came and he, he helped me lead man time and girl time. And what I saw in this young man as a 13-year-old was something that was rare, rare in someone in his generation and in anybody who's that age. And I say this like in all seriousness and all sincerity. What I saw in him was a willingness and a tenderness to submit and trust God, his parents, and the leaders that the Lord put over his life. He was eager to follow. And that's not something you see very often in people. And so I was eager to say yes. He said, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? Will you rebuke me when I need to be rebuked? I said, of course. I got to go to his high school basketball games. I got to be a part of his discernment process and his his season of prayer as he was figuring out where he was going to go to college. As he went off to college, I got the privilege of staying in touch with him and continuing to follow Jesus next. And when he'd come back and he'd visit, he'd stay at my wife and I's house. And he told us that he was thinking about dating this blonde singer who apparently had a really good voice at Oral Roberts University. We got to talk him through the process of him getting a girlfriend. And then him getting a fiancé. And on May 27, 2022, I got the privilege of standing next to him as he became a husband. And a couple weeks later, I had the privilege of hiring him on our staff. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that I thought maybe, maybe one day this kid could take my place and fill my shoes. It's the truth to tell you that back when he was in high school, I was praying and asking the Lord, Lord, it would be really cool one day if this is the young man that I could pass this mantle to. But that's not my choice. That's not my decision. I'll entrust that to you. And if you are... Missing it all right now and not seeing Captain Obvious. (laughs) Guys, it's my joy and my excitement to tell you that as of June 1st, your student pastor is going to be Mateo Mendoza. tell you this, hear me, you know what excites me, excites me most, excites me most, about getting to step down, as as sad as it makes me, and as many tears as I've wept over the last eight weeks, to know that God has not just gifted somebody, but hear me, He's anointed somebody to take on this mantle who loves Jesus and, hear me, who loves you. Who loves you. If you're a junior and senior in this room, you know the care, love, and maturity and leadership that Mateo has carried since you were in junior high and he was in high school. If you're a junior higher in this room, you've had the privilege of having him as your youth pastor for The last near 11 months, he's a godly man. He's passionate about the gospel. He's a good husband and he's a good friend. And I'm excited. I'm excited to stand behind him and Lindsay for Mariah and I to come around them to pray for them, to support them, to hold their arms up, to be ready to take his calls, To help cover him when he needs help preaching, I'm excited. I'm excited to stand in his corner and believe and know that he is the exact leader this youth ministry needs. It's a good thing. It's an exciting thing where God is taking all of you and all of us. Are you with me? Can I get the worship team to come back up here? Can you stand with me? I know it's hot. My goodness, I feel like I'm sweating. Next next week we'll talk about turning the AC on in this room. Uh, can you humor me? I know that it's packed tight and I know it's hot. Can you come forward? Can you come forward? Lady, can you bring down the lights, my friend? Here's my hope. Here's my hope. My hope is that as you've heard our story here this evening, You'd begin to see, you'd begin to hope, you'd begin to believe that God cares for your life just as much, if not more, than what you've heard Him do in our lives over the course of the last eight years. He loves you. Your Heavenly Father loves you. And His plan and His thoughts for your life are always what's best. I'm a firm believer, a firm believer in the truth that the greatest act of love that I can ever do for you as a brother in Christ, not as your youth pastor, as a brother in Christ, the greatest thing that I can ever do for you, the greatest act of service, that I could ever give to you is be obedient to the Lord. If I'm doing something that I know the Lord has told me not to do, that would be a curse, not a blessing. And though it's difficult, though it's hard, though it's it's something that can be sorrowful, when God gives us a gift and he says, I want you to give it back to me. I believe that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so what I want to invite you into here at the end of this evening is I want to invite you to follow Jesus. My hope and my prayer is that you would be men and women who trust God and who know who your God is. That as you live your lives, seniors, as you're about to graduate as you're about to head off into what's next, you eighth graders, as you're about to embark into high school, and everyone else who's everywhere in between, my prayer for you is that you would be men and women who lead your lives with Lord. hallow your name. And not my will, but your will be done. That you would be men and women who trust and believe that whatever Jesus is calling you to is what's best for you even though it might be costly and in fact as we read scripture we know it will be costly that's what it means to follow Jesus a couple weeks ago we talked about the rich young ruler in the book of Matthew a young man who had so much wealth and he came to Jesus, And he lived a moral life and he's like, what, what am I still lacking? What am I missing here? I'm, I'm doing everything right by the book, but yet something's missing. And Jesus goes, here's the one thing you lack. I want you to get rid of what is most precious to you. And I want me to become what's most precious to you. Follow me. And it says that the young man walked away sorrowful. And I want you to hear tonight that though Mariah and I are sad to leave you, we are not sorrowful with this decision. We are not sorrowful. Why? Because we trust and believe that the voice of our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father is so much more precious than anything that we could have here. And because we believe that, we know that we love you. And so as we go into, I just want to sing one song as we we close up tonight. I want to invite you to do the same thing that Mariah and I have been doing for the last couple months as we've been in this difficult place. I want to invite you to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So can you bow your heads with me? Let me pray over you. We'll worship together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you are here, that you care for us, that you see us, that you love us, that you delight in calling your people and doing life with your people. I pray you'd open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you, our minds to understand you and our hearts to believe you. Come, Holy Spirit, would you teach us what it means, would you teach us what it means to love you, to follow you, to say yes to you. We love you. I pray for my friends. I pray you'd comfort their hearts. I pray you'd open their eyes. I pray they'd begin to embrace this faith journey themselves and as they do, they'd see just how much more valuable you are than everything else in life. Lord, we love you. Would you come, Holy Spirit.